You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to this week's episode of Herd, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. Herd is hosted by me, Joe Hakeem, and I'm joined by Nick Britsky of Nick Drinks, Jason Leinert of the Detroit Optimist Society, and Vato of the Hungry Dudes. We are joined each episode by workers, leaders, and analysts of the hospitality industry. Please take a moment to subscribe to Herd on the Apple Podcast app, Google Podcast app, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or however you listen to your podcast. If you like or dislike what you hear, write a review. We love hearing from our listeners. You can visit Herd at HerdPodcast.com, follow Herd on Twitter and Instagram at HerdPodcast, and like Herd Podcast on Facebook. Thanks for listening, and now here's this week's episode of Herd. sitting with Daniel Estrada, co-founder and CEO of 86 Repairs. 86 Repairs is a sponsor of this week's episode of Herd. You can learn more about 86 Repairs at 86repairs.com slash Herd. Daniel, what is 86 Repairs? Hey, Joe. Thanks for having me. Um, 86 Repairs manages the whole repair and maintenance process for restaurant groups. So essentially, we act like your in-house facilities manager for a fraction of the cost. And so our goal really is to help restaurant operators save time and money by managing the repair process end to end. So when something goes down in the restaurant, a customer can text, call, or email us, and we manage the whole process of getting it fixed. And this is a 24-7 service? It is. It's 24-7. So if it's Friday night, your walk-in goes down, your GM can have one number to call, um, we will help your staff troubleshoot the issue, try to avoid a service visit if we can. That's one way we save customers a lot of money. Um, so simple things that we can help them fix, manage on their own. If you do need a service company to come out, then we have a vetted network of service companies that we work with. Or we can work with our customers' preferred vendors if you have a relationship with a company that you like. And then we'll dispatch them. We'll manage all the communication. We'll track everything, make sure they come, make sure the issue gets resolved. And we track everything in a, in a software platform um, so we can give you better insights about running your restaurant. That's great. To learn more about 86 Repairs, once again, go to 86repairs.com slash Herc. Hello, friends, and welcome to Herd, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. I'm Joe Hakeem, and tonight I'm joined by the owner of the now empire that is currently growing, Bobcat Bonnies, Matt Buskard. It's an empire now. Empire. Empire. Strikes back. (laughs) You were with us back on episode 56. This is, you're you're part of an elite group of return guests now. Thank you. Okay. We're at episode 120. Oh, yeah. my God. Okay. Wow. You guys have grown. You might have something here. <laughs> and so what's really interesting is when we talked last time, you were you had Corktown location. That's still around. Yep. You had open Wyandotte. You'd closed Wyandotte. You had reopened Wyandotte. That's <laughs> a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and now you have Ferndale, and you're currently opening an Ypsilanti location, <clears throat> all under the Bobcat Bonnie's name. Yep. This, this, this is a true – you call it a chain? What do you call it? Yeah, I mean, I think technically people will call it a chain. I mean, what else do you call it? Like multiple locations <laughs> of the same thing. You know what I mean? But um, we don't treat it chain-like, which is, I think, part of the success. And I'm not going to give you like a, like a fun story where it's like, you know, like Hopcat's like, well, we make them all different. And it's like, 
okay, great. (laughs) (laughs) But like, do you treat them all different? Because we do. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So it's like, you know, I think, yeah, well, we're a chain quote, you Uh know, in in legal description, if you will. We just definitely don't treat it like a chain. You know, every neighborhood and community that we're in is very unique. Um, and has its own specific challenges and pluses and minuses. So, uh, while we're a chain, we are so flexible to be what that area needs us to be and wants us to be. And we're flexible in our programming of what we do. You know, we're not here to, uh, retrain people or, or get them on board with something crazy. We're here to be a part of their community. You know what I mean? How do you choose the communities that you're in? So we choose the communities that are in based on, And this is going to sound like super scientific and over the top, but really we just look at places we like being, Um, you know, when we spend time, you know, eating, hanging out, going out with friends and stuff like that. So, so there's no real strong strategy necessarily to like where we go. It's more so like a conversation of like, well, where do we like being and, and, and and where do we like going? And then also like what's available and what does that look like? You know, so for example, uh, Ferndale, it takes all of about two seconds to figure out that a restaurant might work in Ferndale. Uh-huh. You know, there might be the demand there. There might be the foot traffic and the population and stuff like that. So um, it's not really that hard of a process. We try to be where we think people are and where there might be a need and where we like being. And so <clears throat> back – you're from the west side of the state originally, right? Yes. Okay. And you worked for chains in the past? That is correct. And so – has that somehow colored your perception of how this is works all works now for Bobcat Bonnies? Sure. I, I mean, like every time you go and do something different or something new, you bring your previous experience with you, uh-huh. obviously. Um, so, you know, it's hard not to treat it corporate like, you know, um, and have that corporate like culture when that's kind of all you kind of knew, you know? So when I look at things, I look at replicability, if you will. I don't know if, yeah, that's a that's word. That's a word. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, I look at how easy it is to replicate and, and stuff like that. So my general key is, is like a menu item, for example. We can't add a menu item that I don't think everybody can cook. You know what I mean? Okay. So like if I, if, if there's a nuance to it or, or a level of skill that is beyond what we would probably offer, um, we wouldn't add it, you know? So, so we do a lot of things through the idea of replicability. The only thing we don't replicate is like cost controls. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, we're laughing at it now, but like, I'm sure it's like not the best situation. So I, as yeah. far as food goes, don't yeah. you think? So, you know, so your food costs food, are high? Our food costs are high. Our labor costs is high. I mean, the only thing that's not. But you're replicating this. So like, yeah. how, how, how do you. How do you well, replicate that away? So part of it is is that, you know, you kind of get that um, you're so busy that you just don't realize, like, you know, where the dollars are going uh-huh. kind of situation. We're not that busy. But at the same time, we've always been very lucky to be, um, you know, uh, to have a good sales volume. Uh-huh. Um, we've always been very lucky. I mean, there's always room to grow and, and, you know, people will be like, Oh, I heard they have great sales volume because the podcast. And then they'll come on like a Tuesday lunch and be like, Oh, nobody's here. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, but like, uh, for the most part, we've always been busy. I know that cost controls aren't something that I'm great at. So we are acting aggressively to, 
you know, to remedy that, uh-huh. you know, because y- you can't expect yourself to always be super busy all the time, you know. Um, so while you are, you should try to capture that as quickly as possible. Right. And hold on to that, you know. And so I think we're trying to put systems in place and softwares in place and who's he, what's it's in places <laughs> and stuff like that so that we have best practices and stuff like that. So this brings up a question that I'm, I'm trying to formulate in my head. Something to the effect of when you when you had the first location, you can get by with relatively high food costs if you if you're busy all the time, right? Sure. Second location, maybe that's true. As you add more and more, it becomes less and less possible to to continually add high high food costs, right? So that says to me you need another person there. That's a role that you probably didn't know you needed before. What is that role, and do you have someone in mind to fill it? Yeah, I mean, as you grow, um, you have to fill in the places of things that you think you're not doing great at um, and things that you – if you're honest with yourself, things that you can stop and say, uh, I'm not really good at this. Uh-huh. So in our situation, I'm not great at cost controls. I'm also not great at being very tough. Um, I'm tough situationally. Uh-huh. I mean, uh-huh. like I'm like a puffer fish. You scare me, I'll spike up a little. You know what I mean? Uh, but like I'm not continuously – you know, Monday through Friday, like tough. Um, and so I know that about me. I am not in the business of changing myself um, in a way that is just not going to be natural to me. You know, I'm never going to all of a sudden one day wake up and be this tough guy. Um, so I think, you know, finding people who who complement that and finding people who pick up where you leave off is huge. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's one of the things that I've always been really good at is this finding somebody who can be my flip side of the coin, if you will. Uh huh. And have you found that person? <clears throat> yeah. So we recently hired a director of operations and she is kick ass. Wait, can you say yes? Oh. You can say whatever you want. All right. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. a podcast. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> I just don't want to offend the sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> director of operations. Yeah. Was that something like you saw one day in a magazine, like, oh, director of operations, I need one of those? Or is that something that you yeah, dealt with in the past at a different Right. Job? Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what uh, we had at a different job. So almost a director of operations who kind of oversees the operations of, of the front and the back and, and also somebody who can be a level of separation between me and everybody else. Because I know that personally we've talked about this before. Yeah. You know, it's like you'll come to me with an issue and by the time we're done, I'm like – co-signing a lease on a car for you <laughs> like we're out to dinner and i'm like giving you a bobcat bonnie's you know what i mean like right. it's like all of a sudden it's like oh god how did i get myself into this the oprah bobcat bonnie's everyone I gets mean, a bobcat bonnie's you get one you're having a bad day you get one does that make you feel better um yeah i mean it's 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 a it's a weird situation because i just and this is gonna sound so bullshitty but i really do like like really genuinely care for the people we work for. Uh You know, I get choked up sometimes. Like we just had an all-staff meeting. So in our all-staff meeting, we went over the fact that like, um, you know, at the original one, we had um, just recently – uh, bought out our our partners. Uh-huh. So so I own now the largest majority of all of them. And it's a pretty good majority. I'm 34. I have people who have helped me get there. Mm-hmm. And, and I can't imagine, you know, buying like a second hot tub or, you know, driving a fancy car. Well, all the people who are helping me get there 
are are wondering how they're going to pay their bills. So we just had an all staff meeting. We haven't put this out because I don't want to be that restaurant who's like, oh, check out what we're doing now. Right. You know, we're offering an employee profit share. It's incentivized uh-huh. um, in, in the sense that, you know, um, there there's going to be specific things. It's kind of like that Zingerman's model of like, you know, open book finance uh-huh. where, where everybody will know the costs and everybody will know the numbers. Uh-huh. And, and, and based on how they respond to that and help us control those, that chunk of money can become theirs. And and I, I know that a lot of places do that. You know, a lot of places are finding ways to incorporate their employees and, and give them bonuses and 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 get to them to buy in. But I just think that this is so important. And, and, and what our employees like is, is that they know that it's not bullshit coming from me. It's not, you know, like, oh, well, we want to be like this new age restaurant that's like changing the world. It's like, no, I want to reward the people who have helped make me a success. And I think it's only fair. You know, how long have you guys been? The the first location opened how long ago? Um, so the first location opened in 2015. Okay, so, so, so four years, four depending years. on how you count it. Yeah, I got in trouble because I was like, "Oh, it's our fourth year," and they're like, "Eh, technically you're ending your third year." I'm like, <laughs> "I know, but I'm starting my fourth. Like that's the point." <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, anyways, you're yeah. four. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, regardless, that that's that's a hugely mature thing to. Come come to the realization of it for. Yeah. I mean, I literally cry every staff meeting we have because it just like even talking about it now, it really I mean, you guys can't see this at home, but like it really it, it will. I will cry if I talk too much about this. Um, but it's just so special to like imagine the growth and everything that's happened from a kid who really just grew up on a small farm town, you know, like like I. Uh, I just take it so seriously. The, 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 the opportunity and the, the fact that this was such a dream of mine that, that is unheard of. It's like you meet those people who are like really good at basketball that are like, I want to be an NBA star. And they end up like, you know, just, and I'm not cutting this down, but they end up like coaching a, a JV team, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, I, I didn't have to coach the JV team. I, I actually got to live my dream and, and I'm living my dream. I am expanding it and stuff like that. So I take that very seriously and I take the people who have stuck with us and who come in and dine with us and who work for us and stuff like that. I take that so serious. So I get really emotional about it. Uh I get super emotional about it because it's important. I think that's part of why we're able to grow is is because um, really – People don't feel like they're just another number, another employee and stuff like that. It's like, you know, we used to get ourselves into a lot of problems because I cared so much that like if you had an, a problem as an employee, you would just go to me. Yeah. And it's like, well, you would skip your managers who are who are kind of paid to handle that kind of thing. Right. And you would just go straight to me. And it started to become where it was like a lag on me because I couldn't get anything accomplished because I was dealing with so much of the employee based things, which I love. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not complaining about that. But, um, you know, it started being quite the issue. We have people who are built in and we have people who genuinely treat it like it's theirs because I genuinely treat them like they are a partner in my business with me because they very much so are. Yeah. Yeah. And so th- there was a moment. Um, so you've gone on the path of more Bobcat Bonnies, but yeah. there was a moment where there was a space next to you that opened up and you were thinking about opening another concept. Yeah. So where did the switch come where you thought, well, let's forget these other concepts. And let's focus on the one. 
Yeah, I think that came from um, just the horrible experience of like doing the one next door. I uh-huh. mean, I mean, you know, uh, oh God, that could, was next door. That could be a was, whole podcast itself. <laughs> this was next door yeah. to the uh, the Corktown. Yeah, so it was Casey's Bar, and we were going to open a place that did tacos and tequila, uh-huh. but in the original bar setting because it had such a cool Detroit bar feel. I mean, for God's sakes, it's been there for like. 50 years. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, and it wasn't truthfully updated that much. Yeah. So, so it had a really historic and, and really cool bar feel and, and it had a very small kitchen. So we're like, okay, well, we could do tacos. You know, we could sling out some tacos, do some great, uh, margaritas and stuff. Crazy enough, the person who ended up buying it and is turning it into a taco and tequila place. Yeah. Yeah. So, so who would have thought that idea was going to work? Out? Right? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Okay, and they're really nice. They're yeah. really nice. I mean, I'm bitter because I'm like, I thought a taco and tequila <laughs> bar would be great there too. And it's like, and then you're living my dream. No, um, but they but, own a tequila. But they're field yeah, and, and they're so yeah. nice. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, how can you be mean to somebody who's like genuinely like super nice? <laughs> right. You know. Um. So, anyways, yeah, we were going to open something there. I always have these ideas like I and I okay, let's just copyright this via the thing. I want to open a breakfast place. I love breakfast. I go to the fly trap constantly. Uh-huh. I love breakfast. So I would love to open a breakfast place. Super fun, all that stuff. We succeed at breakfast. You know, we were voted one of the twenty four best brunches in America. Still not sure how they qualify that. <laughs> Thankful we got that. <laughs> right, but like right. I'm I'm not really sure, you know, in some uh-huh. t- some Sundays when I'm working brunch, I'm like, mm, are we really, you know, like, because I can tell you that, you know, somebody at like Selden Standards probably doing a better brunch than me. So, um, you know, so uh, we got voted that. So we do breakfast. So um, I got away from trying to do this one off because I thought, OK, if we can replicate Bobcat Bonnie's, which we saw that we could in Wind Up, which is a very unique community to do it in. And, and, and then when we did it in Ferndale and it became, you know, a, a very big hit for us, um, it became very evident that Bobcat Bonnie's could be a growth for us, uh, uh, something that we selectively open in certain areas and certain communities so that it doesn't feel like a chain. Uh-huh. Um, and it doesn't feel like everyone gets one like an Applebee's. You know what I mean? Like, yep. you know, you hit a certain population when they decide to develop an Applebee's. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we don't want to do that. We want to be in neighborhoods and areas that are cool and we think are cool. Um, so, um, you know, we kind of thought like, okay, well, we could open more Bobcat. And then once we have a collection of Bobcats and, and the process and, and the money coming in and the profits and all that stuff, we could then start doing some fun one-off stuff. So that's kind of where we're at. We're going to open, you know, probably like another Bobcat, you know, to have an even five, <laughs> um, to have like five of them. And then we'll probably start like, you know, sprouting out something that's more creative and more unique and and, and fun to us. Uh-huh. So, yeah. So, so then h- how do you – there are restaurant groups that have eight, ten, you know, say, say five, four or five different concepts. Sure. And then there's chains. Yeah. So what, what is the argument against uh, – so some people will say like, well, it's a chain restaurant. You shouldn't go to it. Yeah. But they'll say, oh, well, this restaurant group has five or six locations and they're all really good. Why is there a difference and why is there an argument against the chain? Yeah, I think it's because people are like, oh, well, it's the same thing. It's like, well – I mean, truthfully, 
even a separate restaurant is is the same general structure. The only thing that's changed is the setting and the menu. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like so, like really, like like you were saying, there's no big difference between a restaurant group that might own, you know, five six different restaurants. And somebody like us who own five or six of the same restaurant. I mean, it's really not that different. I think maybe mentally people click in and out of that. I think the way that we kind of combat that is is by, you know, really staying focused on being in the communities that we're in and really staying intentional on the things that we do in those communities. For example, I said on the Corktown Business Association board, I love that. A lot of stuff is happening in Corktown. Um and and it's a it's a really big thing of great pride for me to be able to be a part of that community and and all that stuff and and I take a lot of pride in hearing from our regulars who are neighbors. They'll come in and they'll have a complaint about this and they'll have a complaint about that or they'll want to talk about this or that. And and being able to wield the power of being on the CBA or or even owning a business to help our neighbors and our friends have a, a stronger voice is is huge to me. So we got that. We do a lot of stuff in Wyandotte. It's difficult to do stuff in Wyandotte, and I'll throw this out there because I've said it publicly before, Mm -hmm. just because there's so much anxiety of dealing with the other people's businesses. You know, there's a lot of history down there, and and you might not like me, and I might not like you from something that happened in 84. You know what I mean? So it's like there's a lot of that where in Corktown, you would think like, oh, there's all these restaurants. They must get competitive. We don't. We actually support each other a lot. Um, We're all very, very friendly. There's a lot of commingling of like – you know, um, ideas and thoughts and stuff like that. I mean, it's great. I mean, Corkdown is a little oasis to itself because we're not competitive with each other. We all just want to see each other succeed. And so, then in Wyandotte, it's like everything's competitive. So as as you grow, so say you get this fifth location, right? Yeah. And um, there's five different communities to work within. Yeah. How do you make yourself visible in all five of them if you're the only one being visible as Bobcat Bonnie's in terms of like yeah. sitting on a, a board of here and, and learn, learning about the other business owners in Wyandotte. Then you have yeah. the ones in Ferndale and then, you know, sure. how do you do, how do you make that happen? There's only one of you. Yeah. Yeah. There is only one of me. I think that is an evolution of where my position can go because uh-huh. Lord knows it's not going to be like <laughs> cost controls. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like, well, then what am I going to do? You know? Um, no, you know, um, I think that that's true. I think one of the biggest things is making sure that the managers and the people below us, you know, understand the importance of being a part of that community and understand the importance of um, not just giving a gift card, but like actually like supporting charities and, and, and organizations and projects that are happening in those communities. You know, I got an amazing, outstanding manager named Brittany who if anybody's listening to this, they know who Brittany is if they've been to Bobcat Bodies. Uh-huh. I mean, she is a boss. You know, having somebody like that who who is your neighborhood Bobcat manager, who is like also your friend and also the person you see all the time and the person you go to for donations or to support a charity or to host an event and stuff like that. You know, having that is is super important as we continue to grow. You know, because you're absolutely right. You know, I find myself – um, pulling out of, you know, certain community based things just because I'm like, I can't juggle that. And, and I don't know where that leads Bobcat, you know, where it's like, okay, the more I dig into Corktown, for example, y- y- the more beneficial it's been, you know, um, 
the more time we put into these things in these communities, the better results we're getting. You know, I live physically like on the Oak Park Ferndale border. Mm-hmm. So it's like, OK, you know, Ferndale is kind of, quote, my neighborhood, if you will, you know, and it's like, OK, well, I have a strong presence in Corktown. I got a strong presence in Ferndale. It's like, you know, we were in Wyandotte. Then we're out. Then we're in. So that kind of gave us a presence down there. Um you know, Ypsilanti will have to just figure it out. Luckily, I have some old connections down there and, and we'll use those. And and the ladies that we bought the business from are are 100 percent community focused. Um, So it'll be really great to, you know, kind of pick up the ball where they left it and, and continue to run for it because they were so community focused that I dare to say that they oftentimes put the community and their needs and their wants before profitability. And I can say that confidently because they were very community oriented. So, which business did you? Purchase? So I bought Bonacera. Okay, it's a restaurant in downtown Ypsilanti, uh-huh. right at the corner of Michigan and Washington. If you know Eastern or Ypsilanti, you know um, the tap room. It's physically across the street from the tap room. It was a Mongolian barbecue at one time. Okay, yeah, very exciting. Uh-huh. Um, and so it closes the Mongolian barbecue, and then these two amazing ladies. Opened it up with the intention of it kind of being like a supper club and having events and all that stuff. I don't think that that nat, uh, that turned out necessarily what they wanted. So it became more of like a full restaurant for them. But they had a huge, gorgeous basement space that we're going to use and make it kind of like a barcade and stuff like that. Okay. Um, and um, they use that a lot for like community-based events and shows and plays and – all that stuff to really support their neighbors and their communities and stuff like that. So it was, it's a really beautiful thing. I mean, a lot of people would have been like, no, I just want to make money. And they were like, yeah, we want to make enough and then also support our community to an extent that it exhausts us. Did they come to you or did you go to them? Well, I went to them. Okay. So that's part of what we should pick up, um, you know, a little bit later on. Because I have a specific kind of like strategy of how I do that. Oh. But it's kind of in depth. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. And so like I don't want to go into it if we don't have the time to go into it. But Okay. So this is a good time to take a break and get a word from our sponsor. Yeah. We'll be right back with Matt Buck. I'm sitting with Daniel Estrada, co-founder and CEO of 86 Repairs. 86 Repairs is a sponsor of this week's episode of Heard. You can learn more about 86 Repairs at 86repairs.com slash herd. Daniel, last time we talked about how what 86 Repairs is, how does 86 Repairs work? Sure. So anytime there's a repair or maintenance issue in the restaurant, um, our restaurant group customers can text, call, or email us. Basically, the whole staff has access to getting in touch with us. We give them one number to call uh, for any repair needs, and then we manage the whole process for them. So let's say it's Friday night, your walk-in goes down, it's not temping, uh, your GM calls us. We'll walk through trying to solve that problem with them over the phone or via text message. Um, we'll look for simple things, you know, resetting circuit breakers, reset switches on compressors, defrosting stuff, you know, whatever we can do to help the team avoid a service visit in the first place and avoid that cost of having a service company come out and fix something. We'll do that first. If they need a service company to come out, we have a whole network of vendors that we work with that we vetted. 
that we know are good, you know, here in the Detroit area and in all the other markets where we have customers. And then we'll manage the dispatching process. We'll communicate with everybody, keep everyone in the loop. So if you're a director of operations or a district manager, you know exactly what's going on anytime with that repair. And we make sure it gets done and gets done right. Is 86 Repairs a nationwide company? Uh, not quite. So we're in 15 states right now. Uh, we've been growing very quickly. Um, just over this past summer, we've expanded into 12 new states. Um, and our customers love the offering. It's been really rewarding to see how much time and money we save them. Great. To learn more about 86 Repairs and to know if it's in your location, uh, go to 86repairs.com slash hurt. And I'm back with Matt Busker to Bodcat Bonnie's. Matt, uh, I didn't plan this in any way, but from understand, you said you use 86 Repairs? We do. Our sponsor? For yeah. This episode? Okay. So I haven't used 86 Repairs. Yeah. I've been in talks to, to tr- start to use them, but... Yeah. You have been, and you yeah. stopped, and you went back, and now you're back. And so we stopped when they first started because you know sometimes, you know, like when you're busy, uh-huh. it's hard to like you know that like hey, if I put this system in place, it'll make my life easier. Yep. It's taking that effort to put that system in place. Right. <laughs> so right. that was kind of our thing. Is is I didn't have the time to put it in 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 place. Uh-huh. So I was like, oh, I don't really know. And Daniel, who uh. I think is the CEO. Yes. He was in the commercials. Sounded uh-huh. very lovely. Uh-huh. Um, Daniel and I have been friends for a while. So so when he pitched this idea, I was like, oh, this is great. So we did it for a little bit. Then we didn't. And then all of a sudden we hired a maintenance, uh, you know, somebody to kind of oversee our maintenance and marketing because um, he's incredibly handy and also really great at like design. Uh-huh. It's really cool. Um, and he came up to me and he's like, have you ever heard of 86 Repair? And I started laughing because I was like, yeah, like I actually know the owner. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I was like, it's great. And so they have a uh, have an awesome system. You know, it's even so simple that like even a manager at, at, at the unit who might be a little nervous and not technologically advanced can even work it. You know, they call in, they walk them through some just simple, you know, troubleshooting steps. They get in touch. They send me an email saying like, hey, you know, Joe called from this location. He said that X, Y, and Z wasn't working. I've given it an automatic approval for them to just send, you know, whomever would fix it. Uh-huh. Uh, but they track things and they advocate for you in like a way that is nice because it's not you advocating for yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, where like the guy's there and you're like, yeah, but didn't you like show up like a half hour late? And Aren't you also now telling me that you really can't fix it? You know, they'll actually have those awkward conversations for you. Really? Yeah. So you don't have to be like, you know, I remember one time an unnamed fixer person, you know, came back out like two or three times for the same thing. And they were like, yeah, so we talked to them and they're not going to charge you like, you know, the trip charge and this and that and all that stuff. And they saved us a little bit of money. And I was like, all right. Okay, Daniel. Well, that's great. Yeah, 86repairs.com. <laughs> Slash herd. Slash herd. Sorry, I forgot that part. Because we, honest to God, didn't practice this. It was actually kind of something I brought up. I was like, oh, I saw you did something with 86repairs. I was like, I love them. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, great. That, yeah. Yeah, it's a good company. Yeah. And they're Michigan-based. Michigan-based. I'm shocked based. that they didn't like say that. Yeah. Michigan-based. Michigan-based. Which is awesome. So, okay, back yeah. to Ypsilanti. The yeah. question of... Do you? Yeah. Uh, did the owners of Bonus Bonsera Bonasera, Bonasera yeah. come to you, or did you go to them? So we went to them. Okay. So generally, what happens is, as I as I look into a specific area, for example, Ferndale is a great example of this. Okay. I look for what's maybe currently available, and I also look for maybe something that 
and this is going to sound bad, but something that everybody kind of knows is like doesn't have the longevity okay. of, of, of what it's going to need to make it to its next stage of life. Uh-huh. Um, and so you can kind of tell, like, you know, like anytime anybody has been like, oh, I'm so surprised that place closed. I'm always like, are you <laughs> like, were you not paying attention? <laughs> you know, well, so how do you think they were paying their bills? I, I, I we. We were talking about this a little bit earlier off the podcast, but but I want to I want to bring up friend and associate because I think a this lot. is really <laughs> exactly yeah. So and not to joke because I went there yeah, went yeah, for yeah. their opening. Great people w- were working there, right? Yeah, people lost their jobs or, or potentially, but yeah, yeah. the the fact that it only lasted two months and, and w- without without a whimper even yeah really goes to show like. I was surprised that happened because it was so fast. Yeah. A year from now, I don't think I would have been as surprised. And sure. I think most of the time you're you're very right about saying when a place closes, short of it being a total shocker where, you know, like if, you know, if you were to say sell and standard was closing tomorrow, I'd be very I would be shocked. shocked right. I'd be shocked. Um, but if I mean, he doesn't know me, but I like love them. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, right. And they're widely. Yeah you know, widely applauded and like yeah. all these, you know, they've got a Shocked. lot of kids. Yeah. So, but for, for the most part, places that close, close for a reason. Yeah, right? absolutely. And, and so, um, and not to disparage anybody. No, 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 no. And, and generally what happens in this situation is, is that they interpersonally feel a lot of conflict because the business isn't working. Mm-hmm. So it trickles down in everything. It trickles down in their conversations with their significant others, their wives, their husbands, all that stuff. And, and there's generally some fighting there because they're doing everything they can to make it work and they can't figure out why it's not working. Right. So one of the things that I call a triple like win for us, and this is kind of what we go for, is is generally they haven't been paying their landlord and or their landlord's nervous that they might close because they've had to – you know, maybe extend their rental date and 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 wait on payment and get half payments and stuff like that. So the landlord's nervous. The other thing is, is that they're freaking out themselves. They have this business. They have all these debts. They have these employees that they have to see every day and they don't know what to do. You know, so there's a lot of anxiety and a lot of stress, you know, going on with that. And, and then it's a win for us because we can come in at a discount and, and we can offer that person that relief. That, hey, here's some cash. We're going to take over the business. It's great for us because we can turn it around like that right away at a smaller cost. And we can do that. The landlord is happy because we are very excellent tenants. If landlords are listening, we're amazing. <laughs> um, you know, we treat, you know, our area. For example, Wyandotte. We don't have ice cream. All right. There is a very popular ice cream place down in Wyandotte that is attached to our plaza that we share a dumpster with. There's oftentimes ice cream all up and down that dumpster. We clean it up. It's not our ice cream. But because we're the biggest tenants, we get blamed for it. Uh-huh. Oh, it had to have been those bobcats again. It's like, yeah. all right, whatever. Like, you know, same thing with some of the other trash and stuff like that. So we just clean it up. So we try to be good neighbors and friendly neighbors and and do what we can to, like, support each other and stuff like that. So landlords love us because they don't get a lot of calls saying, hey, you know what? Those bobcat guys are kind of jerks, you know. Uh-huh. They're not doing what they should be doing. They're making a mess out of the dumpster. There's ice cream everywhere. You know, stuff like that. So, So it's a win-win for everybody. So generally – like you were saying, you know, like uh, there's not a lot of surprise when a place closes. Friend and associate was a surprise, but not really. I think if everybody listening thought about it for a second, there's a lot of places that are opening up. And I don't mean this in any rude way 
because there's hardworking people behind these places and there's a lot of money behind these places where somebody is coming and saying, hey, this is my dream to open this. So so when I say this comment, I'm not shitting on that. I I understand that. But there's a lot of these places that are opening up that don't have the identity. You know what I mean? So you, you talk a friend and associate. You talk, you know, another unnamed restaurant, another unnamed restaurant. If you take their menus and take away the paper and and just put them in Time New Roman 12 font, you can't delineate between the difference of them. And the other hard part is, is that so many restaurants are opening up right now. When we opened Bobcat Bonnie's, the reason why we got so much wrote about us was because there was only like 10 of us. You know what I mean? So yep. it was like, it was like, hey, look at what Republic's doing. Oh, Bobcat Bonnie's is doing this. And it's like, we're not in the same echelon as Republic. Right. You know, but at the same time, there was nobody else doing anything. So when we would change a menu, when we would, you know, open a new location, there was a lot of fanfare behind that. Uh-huh. It, it, and, and thankfully, my lucky stars, we opened when we did because I can't imagine Bobcat Bonnie's being a success right now, opening in the environment that is there right now. You open and you are one of 10 where like, you know, that are being wrote about just in that like month or week where like when we opened, it was like months where we were really the only one opening, yeah. you know, or, or another opening would happen. But there wasn't a pool of like. What it is now where there's like 10, 12, 13, 14 openings, you know, all the time. So why are you opening new places? So we're opening new places because we did strike it while it was hot Uh and we got lucky with that and people responded to that. So generally – Opening more is 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 awesome because we will hear in a community like, oh, we went to the one downtown and we went here and we went there and, and it was awesome and we really enjoyed it and we really liked it and, and we would love it in our area. You know, and then we come in and we look at that area and we say, OK, well, would we enjoy it here? Uh-huh. And, and I think Ipsy is an area that we would greatly enjoy. Um, I think Ferndale is an area that we thrive in. I mean, it is so right up our alley. It's amazing. And then Corktown, Corktown has just been so amazing to us and, and just great. And and Corktown is the whole reason why we are even here. So I have so much appreciation. I have so much love for Corktown. A lot of the staff is still there, you know, from, um, you know, over three years, you know. Um, so it's exciting. It's exciting. How do you... So when you take over a place, so yeah. use plenty as an example, the people working at the place, do you hold, do you hold on to them? Do you give yeah. them an option? What do you do? Yeah. So generally, um, there is this like Lord of the Flies mentality amongst them because the owners have, for the most part, kind of been like, we don't know what to do. So so when we took over Ferndale, Ferndale was a unique one where um, people knew something was going on. You know, checks were bouncing, stuff was happening. That, that, that was Zeke's, right? Yes. Okay. So so things were happening. And the Zeke's guys, they're great. They're super nice people. I think it was just too much. And and and, and when you get overwhelmed like that, you, you start to like do like, well, what do we do? You know? Um, and so a lot of their staff had um, – some of their staff had actually worked for us and they were working between the two. And and so that's actually how we made the connection after the whole nightclub uh, place went to – crap so oh yeah 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so so they reach out to us and stuff like that. So generally there's this like sense of like we have to look out for ourselves because nobody else is looking out for us. So when we come in, they know the concept. They generally have friends who've worked for us and know like, hey, I'm a server at Bobcat Bonnie's. I'm going to make good money. If I'm a cook, I'm going to get a really great wage. You know, they get paid time off. They get 401k, health benefits, all that stuff. And it's also not a super complicated menu. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not going to get screamed at all the time for every issue and mistake that I make. So um, so generally there's a lot of excitement, but we keep all those employees on because that's important to us. They know where everything's hidden. They know all the ins and outs of the place. They know what was successful, what wasn't successful, what events are big, what events aren't big. I mean, that alone is worth, you know, every dollar that you buy the business for is the people. I mean, you know, to this day, we are kicking butt sometimes in the Ferndale location because of just the knowledge of, of the people who were there when it was Zeke's. And uh-huh. they're like, oh, it's really busy this weekend. You guys should stay open later. Oh, it's not so busy for this. We could close, you know, stuff like that. And they're usually right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they've seen it. Uh-huh. And, and you got to remember, servers and bartenders are only about those dollars. Right. So so they'll shoot you straight. Yeah. You know, like if they think like, hey, if I stay open an extra hour, I can make an extra 25, 30, 40, 50, 60 bucks. Uh, you bet that they're going to be the first people to suggest, hey, we should stay open a while. You right, know? right. You know, and at the same time, if they're not making anything, you hear it from everybody. So then what happens when you bring on a toxic employee that from, a, from an old do, – do you have to go through the yeah, disciplinary – Yeah, you do, you do, yeah. Okay. You know, I think sometimes what is so unique and, – and some people don't get this. But like we've taken over restaurants where they're like, oh, you know, Sally sucks and this and that. Sally may not suck. Sally might suck in that environment. Sally might suck in in that management team. Sally might suck in that situation. But Sally might excel for Bobcat Bonnie's. You know what I mean? We're uh, we're different. We do things differently. So so where you might be really successful at an Olive Garden, let's uh-huh. just say, or friend and company, okay, um, friends and associates or whatever, <laughs> where you might have been really successful there, maybe you're not so successful with us because we are a different place and, and vice versa. Maybe you are super successful with us and then you go to another place and, and, and you're like, well, this sucks, you know? Um, so we take on everybody and, and then we just weed them out. Oftentimes they'll weed themselves out because they'll want it the way that it originally was. You'll hear, I remember Zeke's used to do this. And it's like, all right, well, it's not Zeke's and it's now Bob Get Bonnie's and this is how we do it. If you would like to be a part of that, you should jump on board with that. You know, and, and then they start to feel alienated because their friends jump on board uh-huh. and, and their friends buy in. And, and then all of a sudden they feel like, uh, well, I'm the last guy. So either I buy in or I get off. Right. You know? And what does training look like? Is there like a training manual protocol, these types of things? How long does it last? Yeah. So I – coming from such a corporate place, I have a very strong understanding of, of training. And um, we have like really great workbooks that we use, some role play activities and stuff like that. So we try to find people who can also like maybe train at one of the other locations, which was easy when we did Ferndale because Corktown isn't that far. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it was easy in Wyandotte because Wyandotte's not that far from Corktown either. But, you know, you talk about Ypsilanti, which is like 45 minutes from any of the other stores, you know, and it's like, oh, that's hard to train. So so we found some people who could. You know, we always start um, hiring like managers and stuff like that before and get them training so that they have an understanding of where we're at. And we supplement that with like the people that we have that we use as trainers in the stores. Um, so that comboed with, you know, giving them a little bit of experience and stuff plus the classroom training is really how we like nail it right away. 
you know, there's a bunch of obstacles in opening. If we can get them trained up in the knowledge of who we are and how we do things, that way, you know, like when a point of sale system goes down or a fryer goes down or something awful happens, it's like, well, these people, I don't have to worry about them. I now just have to worry about the specific problem because I know that they know what to do and they're taking care of the guests. They call 86 repairs, right? I would call it, <laughs> except for my point of sale. I don't think they do that. Oh, no. Okay. But like but the fryer. But like the, the fryer, room. I would call it, I would like call them personally like, hey, help me. You know? Yeah. You actually came one of the times when a fryer actually did go down. Oh. And <laughs> oh, yeah. Over and I was not right? thrilled. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. I am a. I'm an owner of a business. Um, I'm, this is hypothetical. I'm an owner of a restaurant, single location. Yeah. All right. I'm sitting there. We're successful. I'm thinking to myself, I want to make another, I want to do another one of these. Yeah. How do I know it's either the right thought or the right time? Hmm. That's a really great question. I don't ever think that there's a right time for these things because it's never going to feel comfortable. You know what I mean? It's always going to be uncomfortable. It's always going to be a lot of work. There's a lot of insecurity in it. Is this going to work? Is this not going to work? Am I going to do this or that? This might be bad business advice. Let me just throw this disclaimer out there. I lessen that risk by A, going into places that I know we can transition into pretty quickly. So that lessens the amount of time that we need um, that we're not open. Because if you're not open, you're not making money. Meaning places that you can simp- that have the the so infrastructure Zeke's. in place. Yeah. So Zeke's, okay. for example, their kitchen, similar layout. You know, we had to tweak a few things and you know, hardcore clean it and stuff like that. Yeah. But like for the most part, it was there. Yeah. The bar, the front of the house. You know, as we looked around, we we're like, okay, we could do one of these over here. We could do this over there and stuff like that. So we find places like that. Uh-huh. We also just buy the business. We don't buy the building. Building, as you know, building costs are so expensive. So that makes it a layer of cost prohibitive. So our model is, is we can go into cheap if we know that, hey, this place isn't going to take me, you know, four, five, six months to redo, you know, three, four, five, seven hundred thousand dollars to remodel and stuff like that. We can go into a place. We can make a deal. We can get that owner out, which makes them have relief. We can make that landlord happy, which is great for us. And we can get up and running, which is excellent for us at a cheap price. And that's what I think sometimes people miss. They are so focused and, and maybe this is bad business advice, but they are so focused on finding the most perfect situation and the most perfect price and the most perfect, you know, setting and layout and all that stuff. And it's like, you got to be more flexible if, you, if you're expecting to grow. You know what I mean? I see places that all focus hardcore on perfection and having everything perfect every time. They only have one. You know what I mean? Right. And it's like, I'm sure you can go through your Rolodex of places where it's like, oh, God, that would be great to replicate that. Generally, they don't because it's like there's all that anxiety and fear. You know, I recommend there was a friend who owns a business in Corktown who's looking to expand and do something outside of it. I think it's the most fantastic idea, but I can't convince that person of it. I can only tell them what our experience is and and how we do it. Mm Mm-hmm. And if they want to do it that way, I highly recommend it. I mean, who doesn't want to open a business at a cheap cost and get going and reopen and getting all that money coming back in and starting to make a little bit of a profit right away? Like, who wouldn't want to do that? Well, you know, but but if but I, if I'm an owner and I'm looking looking at something on paper with one location, yeah, and I see, yeah, there's some profit, but but there's also this list of problems, yeah. All of a sudden, I open a second location, and that list of problems grows, doubles, yeah, or, or, or however, you yeah. know, and then a third location, then it, you know, say we tri- it triples it. H- how do you? 
look at that list of problems and think, okay, I'm okay with this. Yeah. Like, because you well, talked about comfort and discomfort. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, first off, you got to realize what business you're in. You know, yeah, anybody right. who's outside of the <laughs> restaurant business, you know, like we hired this maintenance. His name's Dane. He's awesome. Yeah. You know, and he's a perfectionist. He's so good at what he does. But like, he was so overwhelmed when he started. He's like, Matt, I feel like the second I check one thing off my list, four more things show up. And I'm like, that's just the business we're in. You're going to fix a fryer at one location and then all of a sudden two fryers and like an air conditioning unit is going to go out at a different location. You know, that's just how it is. So so you're always going to have that list of things. The one great thing is, is as you add scale, you can hire people who can help you with those things. So, for example, when somebody would come out to fix something, we didn't have 86 repairs when we first opened. Uh-huh. So, like, people could be like, yeah, we need to fix the condenser that can next to like the unicorn unit that <laughs> sprinkles out this and i'm like that makes complete sense you know what i Do mean it. i'm like yes and they're like all right that's going to be like twenty thousand dollars i'm like seems reasonable you know what i mean because i don't know what it is and i don't know what's going on and, and and really you can't be the jack of every trade you can know a little bit about everything but i'm not going to be a, like a refrigeration repair person so so Knowing that, I was able to hire Dane, who who is very intuitive and very smart and very mechanically minded, who can stop and say, uh, wait, hold on. What's a unicorn repair shop? You know what I mean? Like, right. like what is this? Like, this doesn't sound right. That price is way off, you know, stuff like that. So it really is very helpful as you scale to be able to hire the people to help you with the things that maybe you're not necessarily that great at. So then what – so you hit a certain point yeah. or open – so five is the magic number, let's say, right? Nice, yeah. even number, like you said. Yeah, nice, um, even number. And then you say something different, or do you let the five kind of make some money for you for a little bit, and you get the right people in place, and yeah. then you think about something? Or is it yeah, possible I, that you open five more Bobcat Bonnies down the road? Like, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think anything's possible. I think being stuck in one specific mindset is what's going to trip people up. Um, if you have a goal and that's the goal you want to attain, that's great. But being able to have the flexibility in that vision is like awesome because I don't know where we're going. So, so opening five, you know, to me sounds good opening five and then taking a breath. Um, because every time we've opened one, we've gotten better. We've gotten better managers. We've gotten better staff. We've gotten better this and that. And I'm not cutting down the old staff that we had. If we had the resources that we have now. The old staff would have had a lot better of a life and a lot better of a job and a lot more security than what we had, what we could give them when we just had us. You know what I mean? So, um, I think that like five looks good right now. Um, you know, we're really looking at that Macomb area. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're looking at that hard because then it seems to make sense to us. We got one in Detroit. We got one in, you know, Wayne County. We got one in Oakland County. We got one in Washtenaw. We'll have one in Macomb, hopefully. Yeah, that's, those are the, those yeah. Are the and it's yeah. like, okay, well, we can pause then. And, yeah. and, and, and that number looks good to us with, with the structure that we have, yeah. you know, a full-time bookkeeper, somebody who does our maintenance and marketing, my, my salary, you know, for just ideas and friendliness. Uh-huh. And, and then, you know, the director of <laughs> operations. And friendliness. Yeah, That's the director of operations. Yeah, and then the director of operations, who's the main one? You know what I mean? Which, which I mean, like, I know that sounds awful, but she is tougher than I am. So it is what it is. Um, Does your card okay say it. ideas and friendliness? Because I really yeah. like that. Yeah, it like should. Rainbows and unicorns. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no. Yeah. So, so we got all of that. I think five's good. I would love to continue to open Bobcat Bunnies. It, it becomes easier. It, it really does. You know, as you, um, have done one, 
you know, the second one becomes easier and the third one becomes easier and the fourth one becomes easier and the fifth one becomes easier because now you have other people who can help you with that, who have been in that process and who can help you execute that. It does become easier. Um, the one thing I don't want to get is I don't want to become a chain, you know, like like that national chain, if you will. I yeah. always want to stay. You know, people are always asking, oh, would you open one in Grand Rapids, open one in Grand Rapids. And I'm like, there's still a lot of opportunity over here in a lot of great communities um, that I don't think people think of, like Toledo. Ohio is a super cool community and and they have a very fun downtown and stuff like that. They have great neighborhoods and stuff. So I think that would be fun. Um, I think Lansing is incredibly underrated uh-huh. and I think Lansing's a lot of fun. Um, there's just a bunch of areas where I think a Bobcat Bonnie's could really succeed. I just don't want people to be like, oh, we got a Bobcat Bonnie's. It's like an Applebee's. <laughs> and it's like, all right, like, but we'll actually be here and care and not so, microwave our salmon. So we, we, <laughs> We've been talking uh, for just about an hour about the operations. We yeah. haven't talked much about food and drink, so let, let's talk about that to, to close out. So talk yeah. about talk about your menu because your menu just changed um, yeah. visually. Oh yeah, it, it, it's beautiful. It looks like a like a school notebook. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So our so we did that um, at the beginning of the year. We made it kind of like a composition, book, and that's across all. F- all four, All four yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, we just wanted to present the menu in a different way. And I was reading this. So if you're in the business, you always read about the business and it, the history. And if you really get into it, you look at, you know, successes of other people. So back in like the 80s, 70s and 80s, people won't believe this. But if they read this, TJ Fridays was really kind of the pioneer of, of the cool bar scene. You know, like they would legitimately hire lawyers and petition cities to get liquor licenses. And cities wouldn't want them because they were open late. They were loud. They would have security and bands and all that stuff. You know, in the heyday, TJ Fridays was the hot spot to go to. So I was looking at the history of TJ Fridays. And what they had done is they had done a composition book where the, the like employee had – you know, literally hand row out in cursive the whole entire menu. And I was like, that is so like before it's time. Uh-huh. And I was like, I just need to replicate that and make it a Bobcat Bonnie's kind of way. So so or initially we actually had a manager who had great penmanship who actually wrote it. And then we found like more of like a font based one so that it was more consistent. There wasn't like shaded areas and stuff like that. And, and we made it look really nice. So so we got the menu. Our menu will change as frequently as the seasons. We try as much as possible. Across all locations. Across all locations. Okay. Yeah. Same, same dishes everywhere. Same dishes. Okay. But um, seasonal cer- changes, though. Yeah, That's seasonal impressive. changes. Okay. And certain locations have specials. Like, for example, Wyandotte has, like, weekend specials um, because Wyandotte looks for more entree-based things uh-huh. where um, we see a lot of our sales in, like, small plates and sandwiches and stuff, quicker items um, in the other locations. So Wyandotte will do, like, a like a dinner special every weekend and stuff like that. Um, they also get a large uh, vegan following. So they also sometimes will do, like, extra vegan items that we don't do at the other locations. Are these chef-driven or? They, yeah, they are. So the per, the chef that is the the head of the wine. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, he does it. And and the fact that he has gotten so on board with coming up with cool and creative vegan items is awesome because I think vegan items are oftentimes like the one where it's like, well, we have a salad. It's like, <laughs> all right, well, that's like the shittiest thing to offer somebody who's vegan. It's like we couldn't come up with anything else creative, you know, so here's a salad. You know what I mean? I remember when I started in the business, people would be like, oh, I'm vegan. And all of us would roll our eyes and we'd be like, oh, my God, of course you are. This is going to be so difficult. And, and now it's like we. 
we work hard to find cool vegan items and we really press our our purveyors for those cool um, items and stuff like that so that we can offer something that's comprehensive. So we do a lot of vegan items. Uh, our menu changes seasonally. Honestly, there's no schedule to it. It is literally just – and I, I, I kid you not – it is when I get sick of the menu. <laughs> I'm not even kidding you. Like I'll get sick of the menu or I'll like, you know, one night be like, you know, hanging out on Instagram. And I'm like, oh, my God, we need to do cooler things. And then all of a sudden I'll like start digging in and being like, I hate this menu item and stuff like that. And so then I pull the sales and I see what we do and then we change out the menu. And sometimes things just don't make sense. It's like, uh, why are we bringing in this one product just to do this one item? That's not really selling. Let's drop it, you know. So the drinks are the same too. Drinks are the same too. And yeah. so how does that work in terms of are, are the the liquors and the the drinks that you choose uh have to be available in all locations in terms of no. liquor distribution? No. Liquor, yeah, which is easy because it covers the whole state. Okay. But like beer is is completely unique to each location. Okay. You know, like whatever um for example, there's a strong sour beer crowd in Ferndale. They love sour beers. I can't sell a single sour beer in why not? Oh, they, okay. they're like, no, yeah, <laughs> like, sorry, pass. <laughs> you know, um, and, and then in Corktown, there's a strong IPA crowd and, and they want to see, you know, the new brands, the cool things, all that stuff. They're very aware in, in Ferndale and Corktown of like what's hot and what's coming out. Um, each place has its own taste. So because they have their own taste, y- you kind of have to give it to the people, you right. know, what the people want is what they get, you know? And, and so you're the one. Doing the drink menus? I do the drink menus, and we do it as a committee. So so you would be a bartender. I would present some drink recipes. You would present some drink recipes. We all get drunk. Oh. Um, <laughs> it, it, it hasn't been the best system, I'll be honest with you. Because, like, one time we tried 30 drinks, and I'm like, everybody just try, like, you know, like the little straw full. Yeah. And it's like, oh, God. And then, like, all of a sudden people are like, I really like the one. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> Sorry. Um, And so, like, towards the end, all of a sudden everybody's notes are like, God, smiley face or like <laughs> check mark. And I'm like, well, that doesn't describe if you like the drink. Anyways, we do things as a community. Um, I really listen to the staff a lot. So, so I can't force something down their throat that they don't buy in for. So I try to listen to them about the menu. I ask everybody, I ask all the kitchen managers, all the key staff members who've been with us. Hey, what's selling? What's hot? What's a pain in the butt? What's good? What's not? All this stuff. I ask servers. I, I, you know, we really listen to our staff way too much. <laughs> we really do. We really do. All right. So where yeah. can people find out more about Bobcat Bonnie's? They can go to bobcatbonnie's.com, but I always recommend follow us on Instagram and Facebook. I mean, it is so awesome. Each location has their own. You can know what's going on in your neighborhood. They all have different, you know, events and stuff like that. So check us out, bobcatbonnie's.com. Bobcat Bonnie's on Facebook, Bobcat Bonnie's, and then whatever city um, on Facebook and Instagram too. Follow us on there. You can always see what the cool stuff is going on. Um, or just come in. So hang there's out. Corktown, which is Corktown. in Detroit. Wyandotte. Wyandotte. Ferndale. Ferndale. Ypsilanti. Ypsilanti is opening one. And Macomb. Um, and uh, – <laughs> Maybe. Um, maybe. Maybe. I mean, probably. <laughs> Let's be honest. Um, I'm a big mouth. Um, uh, Ypsilanti's opening Ypsilanti one. is opening the next couple of weeks. Oh, that quickly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Good yeah, for yeah, you. Yeah. yeah, you know, I... Whew. 
Best of luck. Thank you. Matt Busker. Thank Thanks you for, for having me on twice because you didn't even have me on right away. But and, and just like a are. side note to the audience, <laughs> we're also friends outside of this. So I was like secretly offended that I was like, oh, well, why haven't I been on your fun little podcast? You know, and now I've been on twice. twice. I'm like a celebrity. You are. I'm like the Steve Martin of your podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks again to 86 Repairs for sponsoring this week's episode. 86repairs.com slash herd. And until next time, dine well, friends.